It's my privilege to introduce our first expert. He is from New Zealand, and he is an author of many, many books and is featured in interviews and on television and everything around the country. Uh, he has become a dear friend. We actually spent uh, a couple of weeks in the back of an RV traveling across the state of Florida a couple of years ago, held hostage by that man you met last night, Art Alley. He is an evil taskmaster, let me tell you. But it is my privilege to introduce to you our first expert. Please give a warm welcome to Trevor Loudon. Thank you. Excuse me, Paul. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks very much, everybody. Thanks to Paul and thanks to everybody for organizing this. Can everybody hear me okay? Yeah, can you understand the southern accent? All you guys from West Virginia and Louisiana. This is a real southern accent. Um, look, I've got to say, I was very inspired last night. I thought the, uh, you know, Dan Patrick was great. I thought um, the, the Black Robe Regiment's presentation, that brought me to tears. I thought Paul's, it was a sermon, really, was great too. I thought it was a great start for the evening. Now, um, any refugees from California here today? One or two, okay. You might understand this. I was um, in Los Angeles a while back, and I, um, I brought some street food from a vendor. I love street food. And the guy said to me, um, you have an accent. Where are you from? I said, well, I'm from New Zealand. He said, well, where's that? <laughs> so to make it really, really simple, I said, look, it's down near Australia. He said, ah, where Arnold Schwarzenegger comes from. Does that explain the voting patterns in California, folks? <laughs> Look, people ask me all the time, you know, why do I care about America? And I say there are two simple reasons. The first is gratitude. You know, my country was facing invasion during World War II by the Imperial Japanese Army. And if it hadn't been for the sacrifice of your fathers and uncles and grandfathers at the battles of Guadalcanal and the Coral Sea and Midway, we would have been done, folks. And there's still a very strong memory in my country today. The sick, thank you. The second reason is related, but it's a little more selfish. Now, Ronald Reagan had it right. This is the last best hope for mankind. If freedom should ever fail in the United States, if you ever lose your constitution, your liberty, your economic dynamism, and your military superiority, you will soon be living in a world run out of Moscow and Beijing and Havana and Tehran. And is that the kind of world you'd like to leave to your children, folks? So anybody who cares about liberty has to care about the United States. Now, I want to say a couple of things about the 2016 election. Does anybody think there may have been a touch of the miraculous on that election? Just a little? Okay. 
I think even our atheist friends would have to agree with that one. But look, it's not an election that saved America. It gave America one more shot. And there was a lot of times in the Old Testament where the Israelites got another chance. But if they ignored that second chance, how many times did they get a third chance? So we're in our second chance here, people, and we better use it. Now, uh, something I also want to say is a little more cynical. I'm sure a lot of you stayed up and watched the election right through. Now, the Germans have a wonderful phrase. It's called schadenfreude. It means to take pleasure in the pain of others. Okay? Now, it's not a very noble type of feeling, right? But we're all frail beings. We all experience it sometimes. But tell me this. About two o'clock in the morning on election night, they panned the Democratic Party headquarters in New York. And when you saw those little snowflakes bawling their eyes out and hugging each other, did you feel a little bit of schadenfreude? And you think maybe after eight years of Obama trashing your country, maybe you deserved it. Well, I want you to feel it again in 2020, folks, November the 3rd. Now, Paul explained, I think, you know, we are facing a Marxist insurrection in this country now. And unfortunately, about 95% of the population doesn't understand that. And Paul pointed out very well there are three basic institutions we were given. We were given the church, the family, and civil government. Now, what is revolution? What is socialist revolution? It is overturning all of those institutions, is it not? It's overturning the church. It's overturning civil government. It's overturning the family. Have any of those institutions been under attack in recent times? And what is this ultimately? You know, the ultimate revolution surely would be overturning God in heaven. Wouldn't that be the ultimate revolution? It'll never happen, but that is what the devil is doing. He is using the overturning of civil government, the overturning of the family, the overturning of the church to basically defy God, to basically do what he can to poke God in the eye. And we are the pawns in that. Every time a church goes out and sends pizzas to the local Black Lives Matter protesters, every time a Republican takes the knee, they are buying into the revolution. Every time we compromise with the LGBTQ agenda, every time we allow our government to be brought down, subverted, and turned to the left, we are buying into the revolution. We may not be conscious agents of it, but by enabling it, by not standing against it, we are helping. We are helping Satan's plan. Very simple. Now, a lot of Christians will say, well, you know, you shouldn't be involved in politics. It's a dirty game. Well, of course it is if the good people aren't involved. 
you know, of course it's going to be, but if you are commanded to love God and thy neighbor as thyself, you will understand that if you stand by when your next door neighbor is starving and do nothing, that is not a Christian act. When your town is being flooded and instead of going down to man the sandbanks and man the pumps and, you know, save the shops and everything and you sit at home all day and pray, that's not really a Christian thing either. So when the greatest society the world has ever known, with a constitution directly inspired out of the Bible, that has done more to spread the gospel around the world than any other, when that nation is threatened with destruction and you do nothing to help, to help save it, is that a Christian act? How do you get to live in the freest country the world has ever seen with the greatest amount of prosperity anybody has ever enjoyed and call yourself a Christian and think you have no responsibility for handing that great gift on to your children and grandchildren? Now, my big deal is national security because if you cannot defend your home or your business or your town or your family or your country, you have nothing. You have zero. So has anybody in this room ever undergone any form of FBI background check or security clearance for a government job or even a private sector job? Quite a few people, right? Now, is it true those background checks can be pretty darn rigorous? You know, they go through your family background, overseas travel, criminal convictions. But what if you're a young Marxist radical or a young Muslim Brotherhood supporter and you hang around with the local Democratic Party and they get you elected to Congress where you may serve on the Homeland Security Committee or the Armed Services Committee or the Intelligence Committee? How much of an FBI background check do you need for that one, folks? Zero. Do you think the Iranians know about this? Do you think maybe the Chinese know about this? Or the Russians? Do you think any of your enemies know that there are no background checks in Congress? And do you think maybe they might try and exploit that? Would they be doing their job if they didn't? See, um, we know that on the left, there's pretty much no media scrutiny whatsoever. You know, when Mitt Romney stood for president, they told you what he did with his dog when he was 17. They told you that he allegedly beat up some young gay kid at high school. They knew everything about Mitt Romney because you deserve to know as the members of the public. But you had no right to know about the elephant's graveyard of skeletons in Obama's closet or Hillary Clinton's or Joe Biden's or Kamala Harris's. That's different, people. But I must be exaggerating, right, because there's no way that radicals or communists or traitors could get elected to the US Congress, right, because, or serve there because you have a, a great institution that is there to protect you from traitors and communists and spies, and that is the Federal Bureau of Investigation. You saw how tough they were on Hillary Clinton, right? 
They went after her like nobody's business. They were not going to allow that woman to become president with all her treason, right? Being a little facetious, am I not? They were not going to go after the woman who could be their boss. Do you think they're stupid? Now, the FBI is overseen, as is the Justice Department, by the most powerful committee in your Congress. It's called the Judiciary Committee. Now, on that committee for about 40 years, he served in Congress, I think, 140 to 160 years, a man called John Conyers. Remember him? From Michigan. He was the chairman of that committee for decades. He was the man who abolished your House Un-American Activities Committee, one of your last lines of defense. That man had a 50-year history with the Communist Party USA, 40 years with Democratic Socialists of America, which is worse than the Communist Party USA, active supporter of several Muslim Brotherhood front groups, and also a supporter of the Workers' World Party, which supports North Korea and Cuba and Iran. When some of your Republican congressmen tried to get the Muslim Brotherhood designated as a terrorist organization, and it is the father of Hamas, Al-Qaeda and ISIS, but it works legally here through CARE and ISNA and ICNA Muslim Student Association. In my movie, I've got him on tape, and I hope you watch this. John Conyers says, oh no, we shouldn't go after those people. They're a peaceful social service agency now. We should work with them, not against them. John Conyers was a hardcore anti-American Marxist-Leninist. As hardcore as you can get people, yet for 40 years he oversaw the FBI and the Justice Department. Also on that committee, until recent times, was Judy Chu from California, a long-time supporter of the Communist Workers' Party, a pro-Chinese communist group, called China's best friend in your Congress. And you should see Judy Chu. Watch her on C-SPAN. When the FBI had the temerity to arrest one of the more than 25,000 Chinese spies currently working in this country, she would say to them, you are a racist organization. You're only persecuting these people because you hate Asians. And she arranged for sensitivity training for these cruel FBI agents so they didn't persecute these, these innocent Chinese spies any longer. And the head of that committee now, the man who replaced John Conyers, see, Sean Hannity's been a bit upset lately because you've got some socialists in Congress now, people like Ocasio-Cortez. How could we have a socialist in the US Congress? Well, Jerry Nadler the man who now runs the FBI effectively and the Justice Department, joined Democratic Socialists of America at least as far back as 1977. He is a Marxist people, a 100% hardcore Marxist. So what do you think? The FBI is going to go out and arrest all his friends? They're going to investigate the congressman that he works with? You imagine the FBI decides, and they have, not, they have not investigated your congressman for political crimes since at least World War II, if ever. So the FBI thinks, well, 
We know there's a whole bunch of congressmen working for Iran. There's a whole bunch working for Cuba. There's a whole bunch working with the Communist Party USA and Democratic Socialists of America. We need to go to Mr Nadler and Mrs Chu and tell them we're going to start investigating congressmen because the fate of the republic depends on this. Mr Nadler, Mrs Chu, can we have some money, please, to investigate your colleagues? There's about a hundred of them on the Democrat side. Is that okay? And by the way, Mrs. Chu, Mr. Nadler, you're both on the list. Is that all right? What do you think's going to happen, people? So there's no media scrutiny on these traitors. The FBI doesn't dare touch them, and there are no background checks. What could possibly go wrong? This is why the head of the Armed Services Committee is a Marxist. The head of the Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff, works with China. The head of the Homeland Security Committee, Benny Thompson, is a pro-Cuban communist. The head of the Judiciary Committee is a Marxist socialist. All of the major committees in your Congress are controlled by Marxists right now. Donald Trump Jr. said recently that the 2020 election would be communism versus freedom, and he was not remotely exaggerating. Give you one more example. Again, you can see him on here in his own words, Andre Carson, one of your uh, three Muslim members of Congress, very actively involved with several Muslim Brotherhood front groups. He was in Connecticut in 2012. They got him on tape at a Muslim Brotherhood Front convention. And he gets up with a big grin and says, I've been told there are people here in the audience today spying on us because they think we Muslims are here plotting to overthrow this country, plotting to destroy America. Well, I say to you people undercover, I say to you spies in our midst, Allah will not allow you to stop us. This man serves on the Intelligence Committee right now, folks. He oversees the CIA, the FBI, the DEA, the NSA, you name it. He's right there. Right now, not 40 years ago, right now. You have a massive communist infiltration of your government. The deep state that we talk about is communist. You want to read Diana West's great book, The Red Thread, almost all of the people involved in the anti-Trump conspiracy, Nally Orr, Comey, the head of the FBI, Brennan, the head of the CIA, all have pro-Soviet communist backgrounds. All of them. This is a coincidence, right? People, the deep state is communist. And I'll tell you what people say, well, okay, so they're communists, right? Yeah, okay, I get that. You know, my, I might not have believed it 10 years ago, but I'm sort of starting to think about it now. But look, even if we lose this election, we're just going to regather our forces. We're just going to build up our strength. And we'll come back in 2024 or 2028, and we'll take this country back. We'll do a little bit of math, people. And I did math before Common Core, so I can count. Okay. Now... Mitt Romney lost his election in 2012 by two and a half million votes. D 
Donald Trump won by about 300,000 votes, thanks to the wisdom of your founding fathers and the Electoral College, and actually lost the popular vote by nearly 3 million. Hillary Clinton promised that if she was elected, that within 100 days of taking office, she was going to legalize every single illegal immigrant in the country and give them citizenship and voting rights. And that is what the next Democrat president will do. Now, according to Massachusetts Institute of Technology, there are currently 22 million illegals in the country. Some say it's 40 million, but we'll go with 22 million. Now, what proportion of those people do you think, if they're given citizenship and voting rights, will vote Democrat? A lot of these are good Christian people, folks. They just come here for a better life. I can't blame them for trying. But what proportion will vote Democrat? I'd say, let's go be conservative and say 80%. That is 15 or 16 million new Democrats overnight, folks. Instantly, you will lose Florida. You will lose Georgia and North Carolina, and Texas won't be far behind. People, on 2016 election night, you came that close to losing your country. Permanently. That close. That's how much of a miracle it was, folks. Because even now, most of the Republicans, when they talk about DACA and immigration amnesty, have no idea of the consequences of for their country. They're committing political suicide and suicide of the country. The people who come here for a better life are being used to destroy this nation, folks, by the Democrats. They want complete power. And what a horrible country it would be if they ran everything, folks. But, you know, what motivates them, you know? You know people say communism has never succeeded anywhere. Why, why would anybody want it now? Well, this is the generation that runs the Democratic Party now who marched in support of the Viet Cong, who worked for the Nicaraguan Sandinistas, who supported Fidel Castro, and now they're in their 60s and 70s, and they want their revolution before they die. It's their life's goal. And they need one more election to complete it. One more. We've got such a break. But see, why do they want this? You know, communism never works. Well, you ask any young American communist today, why are you supporting this when it didn't work in Russia, and it didn't work in Cuba, and it didn't work in Venezuela? Ah, they say... It didn't work there because America sabotaged it. America bankrupted Russia. America sanctioned Cuba. Look what America's doing to Venezuela now. The only way we can have world communism is to get rid of America. And that is their goal. That is 100% their goal. You see the hatred out there on the streets for America? This isn't the old left of the 60s. This is a hardcore, embittered left who hate your country. And they're one election away from running it. One election away. And the leaders are a bit smarter. The leaders know more. But you think the ultimate, and I think about this a lot, the ultimate act of rebellion in the history of the universe was when Satan said to God, I'm leaving to set up my own kingdom. The ultimate act. 
because he would, as Milton said, he would rather rule in hell than serve in heaven. Now that is the motivation of the leadership of the left. They would rather rule in a hell of an America than serve in a nice, prosperous country and just be non-entities. They would rather win the next election with 50 million Americans unemployed than lose with full employment and general prosperity. Does anyone doubt that statement? We're dealing with evil people. That's what we're dealing with, and we've got to understand that. Now, my book, and I hope you'll get this as well, I'll just give you a little bit of background on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, okay? Joe's the moderate Democrat, right? You know, he's, he's the old-fashioned blue-collar Democrat. About time we got one. You know, we've had all these crazy extremists, you know. Now we've got, a, now we've got an old-fashioned guy. Well, Joe Biden was put in power by a group called the Council for a Livable World. It was set up by a man called Leo Szilard. And what he did was set up a little group that would fund senators, Senate races in small states like New Hampshire, like Vermont, like Delaware, because you could buy a Senate race for very little money in small states. He set this up in 62. And the quid pro quo was, we'll get you elected, but you have got to work to gut the U.S. military. You've got to cancel weapon systems, negotiate bad treaties with the Soviet Union, undermine our troops. That's the deal. Leo Szilard was a Hungarian communist who became a Manhattan Project scientist, worked on your atom bomb, and then set up the Council for a Livable World. He was named by Pavel Sudoplatov, a former top KGB officer, as a Soviet agent. And he set this up to basically influence your Senate for nuclear disarmament, to gut your military to the advantage of the Soviet Union. Well, the man who actually headhunted, picked out Joe Biden, Joe Biden was a 29-year-old city councillor in, in Delaware, standing against a four-term Republican incumbent senator with an 80% security uh, 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 favorability rating. Crazy. But a man gave him $287,000, connected him to all his friends in uh, Washington, and mounted a nationwide campaign and got Joe elected. This man was called Albert Gore Sr. You may have heard of his son. He invented, the glo invented global warming and the internet. Okay. Well, Al Gore Sr. was the head at the time of the Council for a Livable World. He got Joe Biden elected. And uh, he was the protege of another man some of you may have heard of, a man called Armand Hammer, the leading Soviet agent of the early 20th century, the man who kept the Soviet Union alive, the head of Occidental Petroleum, Lenin's best friend in America. Joe Biden owes his job to two Soviet agents, and he has spent his entire career destroying your military. Again, in my movie, I've got him on tape in 2012 at the 50th anniversary of the Council for a Livable World. You have been with me since I was elected. You got me my job. 
I'm so grateful to you. You helped me when I was chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. You helped me and Obama negotiate the START II treaty with Russia, the treaty that was so bad for America that Trump had to cancel it. He would be one of the biggest traitors to ever serve in the US Senate. He has worked in the interests of Moscow and Beijing and Tehran his entire political career. And Donald Trump said that if Joe Biden is elected, he will sell this country to China. And he was right. And he picked Kamala Harris to help him do it. Now, the Washington Post is telling us she's a moderate Democrat. Her voting record is to the left of Bernie Sanders, people. But she, her parents were part of a Maoist communist group that became the Black Panther Party. Her father was a Marxist professor at Stanford University. She got into politics through a man called Willie Brown, the, uh, the mayor of San Francisco, had an affair with him. Nobody, people talk about that. They don't talk about the fact that Willie Brown has always been a communist. He was elected with Communist Party help. He was still sponsoring Communist Party causes well after his affair with, uh, with, um, with what's her name, with uh, Kamala. And he is now China's best friend in the Bay Area. He's basically enabled the Chinese takeover of San Francisco. They run that town, people. They completely, China runs San Francisco and by extension, Sacramento. And uh, then she got picked up by a man called Stephen Phillips. Now, Stephen Phillips was a Maoist communist at Stanford University, a member of the League of Revolutionary Struggle. And he was a big part of Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Coalition. Remember Jesse back in the old days? Big scamster. But his idea was you get the minority populations all working together with the progressive whites. The yellow stripe, the brown stripe, the red stripe, you know, that, that was his terms. And you form a winning left-wing coalition by uniting the minorities with the progressive whites. Well, Steve Phillips was active in that, very active, and he learned a lot from Jesse Jackson. And when he left college, he married a woman called Susan Sandler, the heiress to a $2.2 billion fortune, the Golden West savings and loan fortune. And he used that money to buy himself a lot of power and influence in the Democratic Party and a lot of power in the Democracy Alliance, which is George Soros, Tom Steyer, about 150 left-wing billionaires who fund the Democratic Party, fund left-wing causes, radical ballot initiatives, etc. Now, Steve Phillips' idea is this. The minority populations are much bigger now. If we're going to win and have permanent control over this country, forget about the middle. Democrats, forget the middle. Don't go around trying to buy the middle voter. There are millions of minority voters in the southern states, black, Latino, Asian, um, poor, white, who are all Democrats but don't actually vote. That's where you spend your money in the southern states with minority voters to get them enrolled and get them to the polls. Now, in 2008, Steve Phillips got $10 million together 
and did a massive voter registration drive in 14 southern and southwestern states. And now that's how he got his good friend and protege, Barack Obama, ahead of Hillary Clinton. Barack Obama was the Rainbow Coalition candidate. Okay? And since that time, he has given us several other candidates. He elected his very good friend and Stanford comrade, Cory Booker, to the U.S. Senate. He was also behind the race of Stacey Abrams in Georgia. Remember, she almost won the governorship of Georgia in 2018. And you Floridians will know he was also behind the Marxist Andrew Gillum, who came that close to winning the governorship of Florida. All candidates of colour, all progressives, and they win by mobilising hundreds of thousands of minority voters behind these progressive candidates of colour. And he is also completely behind Kamala Harris. I was saying three years ago that Kamala was going to be the candidate, and I lost a lot of steak dinners on that. Well, she is the candidate now, folks, because she didn't fire the first time, so they got her in through the back door. Joe Biden could fall under a bus tomorrow and no one would care because Kamala is effectively the candidate. She is a Maoist communist out of the Rainbow Coalition strategy, a Black Lives Matter supporter. She is a militant Marxist, folks, and a perfect companion for our friend Joe Biden. So this is where we're at, people. There is a Marxist insurrection in the country. It's run on the streets, and it's run in your Congress and in your bureaucracy. Now, just talk a little bit now about China's war on America. Now, in 2019, President Trump put tariffs on Chinese goods. And Xinhua News Agency, the official Chinese news agency, said, our response is people's war against America. Now, what is people's war? People said, oh, that's just tariffs on American goods, right? Now, people's war is every kind of war except direct military confrontation. It's propaganda. It's espionage. It's flooding your country with fentanyl. It is... Um, the Confucius Institutes in your universities. It's buying your politicians and stealing your patents. It's biological. Now, the Wuhan virus, right, started in Wuhan. Well, I can't say they deliberately released it, but it was biologically and genetically engineered. It was ready to go at some point. And the Chinese weaponized it because every year in China... In Wuhan, they have a, in January, they have a, a New Year celebrations. Lasts for a whole week. It's like Mardi Gras. And this, the Chinese come from all over the world to party up. And this year, the local authorities said to the Chinese Communist Party, should we carry on with the festivities, it might spread the COVID. And the Chinese Communist Party said, go for it. Do not cancel. So Chinese came from California, from Canada, from Australia, from New Zealand to party up for a week and they're all going back to their native countries and COVID is a worldwide epidemic. Now we were told that we couldn't handle this like we did with other epidemics because normally you quarantine the sick and everybody else takes precautions and just carries on. 
We did that with diphtheria, typhoid, polio, scarlet fever, all of it. But no, you couldn't do it this time because the World Health Organization said that there was evidence of asymptomatic transmission, meaning people without symptoms were transmitting. So the old quarantine approach wouldn't work. You had to do shutdowns. Now, the head of the World Health Organization, Mr. Tedros, is an Ethiopian, former leader of that country's Marxist-Leninist, Maoist political party. The man loves China like a chocolate, folks. He's completely in their pocket. So the Chinese basically told us we had to shut down. China released a letter in in April the 2nd signed by 230 world communist parties. This is the message. This is the line, right? And the message was, you got to spread these four memes across the world. The first one, if you blame China for the virus, you're a racist. Heard that one. Second, China is leading the world in helping everybody solve the problem. What a great country China is. Third one, China can only do this because we have a wonderful socialized healthcare system. Look what a mess they're making in America. Fourth, blame Trump, blame Trump, and blame Trump some more. Heard any of those messages? This is complete Chinese propaganda. So what is their purpose? Well, as Paul said, Trump had a great economy going, almost assured of re-election. The Chinese hate Trump, people. He stood with Taiwan against them. He stood with the Hong Kong protesters against them. He caned them on trade. They knew if they didn't get rid of Trump, they were going to have a revolution in their own territory. So they had to get rid of him. And the Democrats want to get rid of him too. So the Democrats have worked with the Chinese to keep the economy sunk as long as they possibly can. That's why all the blue states are still shut down. It's all economic military warfare. Destroy Trump. But there's an even more sinister purpose. Now, Barack Obama gutted the U.S. military, did huge damage, massive damage. And what, meanwhile, Russia and China were building up their weapons like crazy. And when Trump got into power, he understood we were going to have a war very soon that we would lose if he didn't build up the U.S. military, which he started to do very bravely and very efficiently. But you can only do that on the back of a strong economy. What happens when your economy is in the tank, folks? Already, 31 Democrats led by the pro-communist Chinese Barbara Lee from California and the pro-terrorist Mark Pocan of Wisconsin have written a letter to the Armed Services Committee full of Marxists demanding huge defence budget cuts in the next budget go-round because of COVID. And if they succeed, people, Russia and China run this planet. Who's going to stop them, people? Iceland? Italy? New Zealand? This is a military operation to destroy your president and your country, your military, so your enemies can run this planet. Anybody think I may be exaggerating a little bit here? 
See, I'll go into Black Lives Matter in my next thing because they are the next phase of this. But that ties in a lot. Our next, next session, I'm going to talk about what's happening with the churches. But anyway, if I thought there was no hope for this beautiful country, I'd be back in New Zealand right now building bunkers and stocking up on baked beans. But that 2016 election, folks, that convinced me that God is not finished with this country yet. Not by a long shot. People, they, the enemy has to... The, look, what was supposed to happen is Hillary is supposed to get elected, then they just gradually put us in a position we could never recover from. But when Trump got elected, they've had to show their hand. They've had to really get out there in our faces. And now we know who they are. This is anybody serving Vietnam. Surely, surely somebody. Look, remember the Tet Offensive of 1968. The big Tet Offensive. That's when the communists were almost beaten. But they mounted a massive attack on southern military bases all over the country. All over South Vietnam, they attacked in wave after wave, out of nowhere. And they were slaughtered. It was a massive military defeat for the North Vietnamese. But it turned the course of the war in America. That was the, 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 the psychological thing that turned American support away from the Vietnam War. How can we fight these guys? We thought we had them beaten up, coming out of wave after wave. And that's when America gave up. America blinked. It was a bluff. Well, right now, what the left is doing in this country is their Tet Offensive. They are so desperate, they're throwing everything they can at you to try and make you blink. Everything. They are stopping at nothing. They're showing their hand. They're showing us what they are because they want you to blink and back off the president and they win the election and they've got you. Well, you cannot fall for their trick again, folks. This is an election that is eminently winnable by us. If we stay on purpose and focus, we can absolutely win this. But we can't blink. We can't fall for the modern Tet Offensive. Now, people, you've been fighting issues all your life. You've been fighting to end the United Nations, end the Department of Education. You've been fighting to do all of these things that conservatives know must be done to save this country. Well, now, if Trump gets elected again, folks, all of that is within our grasp. All of that can be done. You imagine Trump gets re-elected, the amount of money that's going to be invested in this, in this economy. You imagine the border wall gets built. You know, the money coming into the economy, you're going to have the American worker on the pig's back because you're going to have massive investment, no illegal labor, American wages and salaries are going to go through the roof. What are the Democrats going to have to offer anybody after four years of that? And think of this, President Trump has done more to change the courts in this country than any other president, okay? That is going to have huge implications for your religious liberties, your gun rights, education policy, business legislation, all of this stuff 
is going to be, we are going to have the ability to change that. You imagine Trump with the House back, a couple more good senators so he doesn't have to put up with Mitt Romney and Susan Collins any longer, and the White House, and you imagine how he's going to be unleashed, people. Imagine the legacy he wants to leave to this country. I don't know when this world is going to end, folks, but I know we are commanded to occupy till he comes. Right? And not just leave what we inherited to our children, but something even greater. Now think of the Supreme Court. For 60 years, the left have controlled the Supreme Court. And they make unconstitutional decisions. They call that precedent, pile another one on top of that. Now 60% of what your federal government does is unconstitutional. Well now, thanks to Trump and people like you, we have a technical 5-4 majority on the Supreme Court. Now you don't need to tell me that Roberts is a flake, yes I know, but he still votes our way more than he doesn't, and several good decisions have come down. Now Trump gets re-elected, four more years. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is getting pretty old, folks, and her health is not great. And she has publicly said she would love to leave the court and retire in New Zealand. Okay? Well, I'm willing to take one for the team, folks. She can come to New Zealand, play bingo all day long, and you'll have a 6-3 majority on the Supreme Court, people. You will spark, you win this election, you'll spark an economic boom like you've never seen. You'll spark a liberty boom, not just here, but all around the world. And you will spark, I believe, a spiritual revival like we have not seen for a hundred years. So the downside of losing, folks, is horrendous. But the upside of winning is fantastic. You will have the chance to leave to your children not just the great country that you inherited, but one even greater. Is that worth a little bit of sacrifice, folks? So I want to say to you folks, thank you so much for what you do for America and for my country and for liberty and for truth. God bless America and God bless you all. Thank you.